Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. Welcome to week 17, count it, week 17 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is nobody, it's yours truly, Mark Lloyd's of Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Uh, thank you all for taking the jump with me tonight into the tank. Uh, as I sit here on this summary night, I'm thinking what better way to get involved and to discuss NBA, Bruins, NHL playoffs, and we would also... It would also not be right if we didn't talk about the Dolphins and Tua. I'm a big Tua guy, so I want to get into it. And that being said, let's jump right into it. Uh, a quick note, Brad Stevens has signed an extension with the Celtics. Two years left on his contract. The Celtics did not want him to get away with good reason. All the applause, all the you know really great audience inside the NBA and out. Even in college basketball, the head coaches just love this guy. And what better way to, you know, celebrate the Celtics making another postseason and signing Brad Stevens to another contract? Does he have work to do? For sure. And I'm going to get into it. Um, But just talk about the NBA bubble for for once here. Um, Extraordinary and entertaining is probably the best two words I could possibly think of. You know, with Kobe Bryant, you know, in his legendary status, kind of, you know, removing away from the world, which is such a sad thing. Um, I love to see guys step up and just show that they're like, they have that Mumba mentality in a way, right? So you look at Devin Booker, uh, Kobe has always been an inspirational, um, you know, figure to him. You know, Damian Lillard and his killer mentality, he's got a little AI in him, which I love. Um, and then, you know, TJ Warren coming out of nowhere. I mean, these guys are just putting on a show. And I just want to talk about Damian Lillard right now because... He deserves credit where credit's due. And the reason why he does is he just has the knack, the uncanny ability to just create his own shot. And when I say create his own shot, I'm talking like 34, 36 footers. They may not look good like from, you know, if you're looking into the stands, but the stats say what they are. And the put some respect on my effing name game is exactly what Damian Lillard needed in his career. He's the only player in league history other than Wilt Chamberlain with three 60-plus point games in the, the same season. So Damian Lillard becomes the first Blazers player to score 50 points in back-to-back games. Right now, he is going off in these games, and I'll tell you what, the motivational trigger 
if there was one, it's Pat Beverly and Paul George. You could say the tip of the cap to them for waking this guy up and becoming a true monster on the court with unbelievable purpose. He can take Portland really as long as he can possibly take them, obviously, but just his talent, his court vision, his way to get players involved, his teammates, his coaches, they all look up to him. So why not superb job having that type of talent in that bubble when it's most certainly needed as Portland is not a lock in the playoffs by any means? But hell, this is a great performance for Damian Lillard in his career. He's had big shots. He can hit clutch shots, got ice in his veins when the shot clock's running down. You can count on him to, you know, score that bucket and move on. But, man, Paul George for OKC, you remember him? When he jumped and Lillard splashed that right on his face, I think Paul George still has a little bit of uh, revenge in him, a little vengeance as well uh, from Damian Lillard. But for the most part, those two guys and Pat Beverly, man, has it been fun. The bubble has been intriguingly fun. Um, and, And without fans, you know, I always talk about, you know, you compare basketball to hockey. Basketball's not as action-packed and, you know, but I love the cockiness out of these players. I love, you know, the verbal talk outside, you know, the, the lines. It's just good to see because that shows that the players care and they want to win. And you, you can't, like, ever cancel that away. Like, you have to take that in and look at the bigger picture of the NBA and where, where it's going to be is these guys care about winning. They do. And LeBron's not the only star anymore. I'm sorry. AD may be the star on the Lakers. But looking at the league as told, I, I mean, I can go across the board. TJ Warren coming out of nowhere? Like, coming out of nowhere. This guy's averaging 34.8 points per game. 34.8 did you think he was going to average that? I, I said in the last podcast I recently recorded with Andrew Gifford, a.k.a. Giffy, I said that T.J. Warren is a guy that I am afraid of if I'm the Boston Celtics playing the Indiana Pacers. Now, I don't think they will play them, but I think <laughs> you look at the bigger picture here in his career, that guy was never this type of shooter. I think he shot 34%. In his career, at least from three. I mean, the guy's going off. He's like shooting like a 52% clip, maybe even higher. So I just love to see this type of talent in the NBA bubble making this as special as possible. And then icing on the cake to get to it, the Celtics. The Celtics look literally unstoppable with good reasons. Gordon Hayward getting the ball, attacking. That's the way Celtics basketball should be. Attacking, kicking it out, pick and roll, pick and pop, cutting to the hoop, rebounding, blocking shots. This is the way Celtics basketball should be put. Their history has always been about winning, about caring, and about putting more banners up in the rafters. Now, 
Eastern Conference, Western Conference. I just want to get into the playoff picture because I'm sure everyone is intrigued about what matchups are going to be played. Eastern Conference, we got the Bucks, Magic, Raptors, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Heat, Pacers, and then on the West, we have Lakers, and the winner of a playing game, I, I believe it's going to be either Trailblazers or Suns, maybe even throwing the Grizzlies there. Um, Clippers, Mavericks, Nuggets, Jazz, and Thunder Rockets. Now, the most intriguing matchup to me in the Eastern Conference is definitely uh, the Pacers and Heat. Um, I would have said the Celtics and Sixers if Ben Simmons was playing, but I, I think that's going to be at least done in five. Um, I, I think the best matchup to watch, like I said, is the Pacers and Heat. And the reason for it, Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, those guys don't like each other. They don't. In the past, they just they always didn't get along, and, and they don't see eye to eye. And I think the reason why is T.J. Warren is trying to be like Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is what he is. He, he's a pest. He's a nuisance on the court in a good way. Don't get me wrong. I love those type of guys because they just give it their all, and they're going to do anything they can to win. And Michael Jordan has always was always that way every time he stepped on the court. So, And Kobe Bryant, same thing. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Shaq. You talk about the greats, you talk about all-time greats, these guys always cared about winning. And I'm seeing it in the bubble. These guys have nothing, nothing to lose. They're saying it's all game now. We're playing to our highest potential. So, like I said, T.J. Warren versus Jimmy Butler, obviously you have other pieces around them, but that's going to be the focal point of this series. But you look at Victor Lodipo, and you know you have Miles Turner, and I don't know if Sabonis will be back, but I'm sure, you know he he will have um, you know some playing time. Um, for the most part, I, I think the Heat run away with it. But the way T.J. Ward's playing right now, I mean, it doesn't shock me. I mean, you look at the Pacers tonight. I believe they beat the the Houston Rockets, so I, they're on a tier right now. And they're in a good rhythm. I would say, you know, the Heat have more depth. Um, but I believe uh, Giffy brought it up on the previous uh, podcast here is the um, just the, the rookie sense of the Heat. They have a lot of young players, right? Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, um, none. You know, you, you have a lot of good players, but they're young. So it is kind of alarming. You know, you got Bam out of bio and, you know, Garn Dragic with Jimmy Butler as, like, the true core. But they have enough pieces as long as their, you know, youth doesn't get to them that they can make a really strong case at, you know, going toe-to-toe in Milwaukee in a strong, hard way. Um, And Giannis... Just to bring up Giannis real quick, my goodness, why would you ever, why would you ever headbutt somebody and then, of course, he gets away with just one game. And the reason why one game? Oh, because there's only one more seeding game. So the NBA is like, we want our ratings to be good going into the playoffs and in the playoffs. 
So we're going to have Giannis sit out the last game. Take it easy, Giannis. Don't go overboard. Chill out. Relax. Um, but, he, I mean, he headbutted Mo Wagner. You know, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like, come on. Like, there, there's, there's a sense of pride in who you are on the court and the way you play. That's one thing. But when you get physical, when you get, like, legitimately head-on-head and don't give a crap, I mean, that, that's like the, the, the French soccer player in the World Cup. Zadine, right? Um, and so I just think that was too much out of him. I don't think it was, you know, worthy of doing it, especially with, you know, the playoffs just about to happen. But luckily, the NBA... They gave him a little break. If it was anybody else, you know what would happen. I don't want to get into it, but you would know what would happen. Um, Another matchup that I really want to get into is the Thunders-Rockets series. Now, I'm going to get into the Celtics Sixers, obviously, because they're the hometown. So we're going to get into it. But first, Thunder and Rockets. Harden versus CP3. And then you got Westbrook playing his former team. Harden versus CP3, I don't think it's going to play a huge role on the court. I don't think you know CP3 is going to be guarding Harden as much. I think CP3 is going to be, you know, Chris Paul. It's going to be guarding Russell Westbrook. I just think Chris Paul, when he's alone, when he's the guy running the show, when he's the floor general. That's when he's at his best. And I believe he's around like 33, 34 years old. So it doesn't shock me necessarily that he's playing this well. But he's looking pretty good. And he's played extremely well with a lot of young talent around him. And I said it on the last podcast as well. Is he's looking like the way he was with the New Orleans Hornets. With David West, they had other pieces around them, but David West and Chris Paul was the focal point of that team. So, Chris Paul is going to have to, you know, guard Russell Westbrook and, you know, SGA, Shai uh, Gilgis Alexander, will be playing toe-to-toe against, um, you know, James Harden. I think Harden will have his way against them. I do. Um... But it wouldn't shock me as well if Chris Paul, Billy Donovan, and this young crew really find a way, Steven Adams, to step it up and to create their tempo. Creating their tempo means to slow down the offense, right? Because they don't necessarily need to run and gun because that's what Houston does. Houston shoots. They shoot, and their ball movement's incredible. But defensively, I think, I think OKC's better. It's going to come down to, like I said, it's either Harden show or it's collectively Thunder show, and they got CP3 running point. Billy Donovan's one heck of a coach. Man, he should be close to coach of the year. But Chris Paul arguably should be an MVP talk because he's been such a, a catalyst for this team, and it has shown up in the NBA standings. So... I think Houston, you know, they might be in for a rude awakening if they don't, you know, wake up necessarily. 
Um, the neutral site helps. I'm going to talk about the neutral site right now because there's, there's fans on the court, especially in Boston and in Philly and maybe even in Houston. Obviously, L.A. is more celebrities. Um, but you can really feel the energy when you're in that arena. And it's not going to be the same. It won't be. But the neutral site is really going to be interesting because I want to see, you know, how they play on their own, how they thrive off of their own energy and synergy and really adrenaline at the end of the day. So, like, Joe Allen beat, you know, let's get into the Celtics and Sixers right now, actually. Joel Lee's banged up a little bit, right? Embiid's banged up. Ben Simmons expected to miss a good good amount, right? Uh, if not the rest of the playoffs due to the dislocation of his left kneecap. But what I expect in this series is, I'll just run down really quick. The rebounding category may go to the Celtics slightly, but only because Ben Simmons is a really good rebounder. I think people forget about that. But Embiid and Al Horford, those two could potentially just, you know, combine maybe average 20 rebounds per game. The Celtics have the depth. You know, they got Daniel Tice, and they got Robert Williams, and they have Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor is arguably one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. We can say that with confidence. Robert Williams and Daniel Tice, those two... Ah, you kind of don't know. Robert Williams has the capability to be a, a really solid rebounder. Daniel Tice is more of a, you know, pick and pop, get me down low post, alley-oop kind of thing with Rob Williams, whereas Ennis Cantor literally camps down low and he'll grab offensive rebounds or defensive rebounds. So everyone's talking about the hype with Rob Williams and what he's capable of doing. I don't necessarily say see him playing a lot of time against Philly because of the matchups, right? Brad Stevens loves to play the matchups. So I can see Ennis Cantor, you know, fulfilling the backup role to Daniel Tice. But when it comes to foul trouble... Tice and Cantor are very bad at that. Now, obviously Tice, where he's at, he always gets, you know, he gets no complimentary calls down low. That, that's just not in his tools. For some reason, the NBA officials just don't want to give him a break. <laughs> it stinks. It, it is what it is. But he just doesn't get the whistle, ever. He always gets the whistle against him. Sometimes it, it is a case of him, you know, reaching in or not going straight up vertically. Otherwise, you know, he plays pretty good basketball, right? He's from Germany. He's, he's a hard-nosed guy, and he'll do anything to win. And that's what Stevens and Ainge love about this guy. But it'll be interesting when Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice, when they get into foul trouble, if they do... If Rob, Robert Williams gets eaten alive by Embiid, and possibly Al Horford, 
I don't necessarily think the Sixers are going to win this series. But you kind of got to be curious of the way that they're set up now without Ben Simmons. You look at the scoring. I think the scoring category goes to Celtics. More depth. They have a bunch of scoring depth. Gordon Hayward playing out of his mind in, in this bubble. Kemba getting back to full strength. You got Jalen Brown shooting threes, lights out. And then you have Jason Tatum, who just can't be stopped when he gets his way. When he has his positioning on the court, he's one tough guy to beat. You cannot beat him defensively unless he misses. And I said this in my intro, and that clip was for me back when Tatum was you know, a rookie, and I, I was on air with ESPN New Hampshire Radio, and I said that Tatum should have been the number one pick. It could have been the number one pick if he didn't get injured for the, I think it was six or seven games in college basketball. It said Markel Fultz goes number one because the Celtics traded that pick for, Mark, for uh, Jason Tatum. So, the Celtics have the Sixers number in every shape and form. Now, the bench depth is really what I want to emphasize. Because I don't necessarily think the Celtics really have that presence, that guy that comes off the bench and just scores. Right? I think that's one thing that they're missing. Of all the other matchups, I think it can be collective, but the bench just worries me. And it's gonna be it's gonna worry me for the Sixers matchup, and it's gonna worry me for especially the Raptors matchup. Now the Raptors game recently, the Celtics destroyed them. But you can't say that that's valid, that's who the Raptors are. It's not. The Raptors are a very good team. But I will say that the Sixers have a guy named Josh Richardson. And that guy can take over a game without a doubt, with ease. He can take over a game. Now the Celtics have Semi Ojale. They have Brad Wanamaker, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Ennis Cantor, Romeo Lankford. I can go on, right? On and on. I don't necessarily think that the Celtics have that guy that can just come out and flat-out score. I don't think they necessarily need it in this series. I don't think they do because I think collectively they are way better than the Sixers. But it would be good to have, and it would also be good to have that, that presence coming off the bench when needed in a close game or, you know, or, or when you're down big and you need somebody to help you climb out of it. Now, you got Tatum and you got Jalen, but, uh, you know, Tatum and Jalen Brown. But you have to look at who's going to come off the bench and just flat out be that score. And I, I don't see it. Unless Watermaker starts dropping, you know, 12 to 15 points per game and Marcus Smart, you know, drops 20 a game and plays defensively bat, sound basketball, which he's capable of. Don't get me wrong, he's capable of doing, 
but we also seen the inconsistency from Marcus Smart offensively. So if he's in Lob City with him and Rob Williams, I don't think the Sixers can stop them from the bench. But they they definitely need to find that guy that can just come off the bench and be a presence. So overall, I like the Celtics' chances. As I said, obviously, you know me playing the bias card. If I was to play the bias card, Celtics. If I'm not playing the bias card, it's Celtics. It's Celtics all around. Because I I think even with Ben Simmons playing, the Sixers just don't have it. And I mentioned this on the previous podcast again. The Brett Brown, the Brett Brown situation, I hope, I hope, for Embiid's sake, for Simmons' sake, I never asked for somebody to get fired. I don't. I don't like that mentality. But... Does Brett Brown really deserve that job? Does he? I don't think he does. I think they have too much talent to be that damn bad. And I know Brett Brown's from New England. Shout out. Shout out to him. But I I think he's best suited as like a, you know, an assistant head coach. I don't think he deserves an NBA job. He might be good for college, but... I don't think he he can handle that type of talent. Like, Ben Simmons is a very good all-around player. But the the development, it just never gets to that point where you just say, okay, the Sixers are a force in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference. Never say that. I would never say that. But they do have the talent, but they don't have the coach. And I'll give you an example, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz was the number one pick. The number one pick in that draft when the Celtics traded that number one pick to Philly for the number three pick for Jason Tatum. And I'm sorry, Sixers. I'm sorry. You guys didn't look at that trade for whatever reason. You guys gave up a whole lot of other picks, too. Fultz's development was stopped because of Brett Brown. I'm telling you right now, look what he is doing in Orlando. Yes, it's a fresh start, of course. You never want to stunt somebody's growth, right? Like, you never want to have that moment where you put a pause on somebody's, you know, potential. Markel Fultz had potential coming out of college. And instead, Philly said, you know, let's look at him and his shooting. And let's look at him and his, you know, burst off his right foot. He had ankle injuries, obviously. We know that. He got hurt. But, you know what? There's always a redemption story. And I'm glad that Markel Fultz is fulfilling his role with Orlando. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's going to be NBA starting caliber type of player. But he's a good player coming off the bench, whether that's a 6 or 7 man. The NBA as a whole, the playoffs, I mean, these matchups, they're intriguing. Like I said from the beginning. It's a lot of fun. And I think the way that people are going to be more you know, absorbed into the NBA environment 
is the trash talk. It's guys showing up and bringing every single ounce of their body into every single game and just showing up. I wish, to be honest with you, I wish Joel Embiid, because he's a very, very good player, and he has a lot of different Shaq qualities to him, not comparing him to Shaq, but he has a lot of qualities and potential talent, like Shaq, that he can take over a game. But he's got to have like a Devin Booker mentality. He's got to have a T.J. Warren mentality. He's got to have a Damian Lillard mentality. He's got to have a Jimmy Butler mentality, Jason Tatum. Those type of players are what succeeds in the NBA when they know that they can't be stopped. So if I was to give any words of encouragement for guys that just don't live up to their expectations, start now. Start now. You got the NBA bubble. No fans around you. You don't have to worry about being booed. You can legitimately work out the kinks throughout the series and really make a name for yourself. Damian Lillard made a name for himself. He's done it in the past years, but this year, you can just feel it. You can feel that he wants it more than anybody on the court. Now, he missed those free throws against the Clippers. It is what it is. Everyone fights through adversity. And this guy is a tremendous redemption story. And nobody talked about him coming out of college. Nobody talked about Steph Curry coming out of college. If you're a big-name player, sometimes you don't last. Like, LeBron James is probably really the, you know, the gold mine that the Cavaliers have, have you know, struck in that draft. He's a rare commodity. They don't come around often. But I'll tell you what. Guys that slipped down the board, even Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Jalen Brown, you know, Jason Tatum should have went number one. I mean, how, how can you not see pure talent in, in these type of players? And just the want, the attitude. Really, I, I think this whole bubble is Mamba mentality written all over it and it's just tremendous to see that these type of players that have those capabilities playing exceptional basketball exceptional so with that being said let's take a break from the NBA talk we all know who's going to win in these series I don't want to discuss it we got the Bucks right against the Magic the Bucks win that Raptors, Nets, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Heat. Those are my picks for the East. West Coast, Lakers over any of the any of the teams that are bottom tier, you know, fighting for the eighth seed. I just don't see it unless, like, like I said, Damian goes on a streak again into the playoffs, or or Devin Booker. But I, I just don't see it. I think LeBron's on a mission, you know, with the with the Kobe thing going on, with the Lakers tradition of winning. I think he wants to make it to the NBA Finals. So I, I can see that happening. 
The LA Clippers over the Mavericks. The Nuggets and Jazz is tough. That could be flip-flopped. I'm going to go Jazz. I think Jazz have more depth, and they're very collectively sound basketball players. Thunder Rockets. As I mentioned, I, I I think the Thunder upset the Rockets in the first round. I do. I just think they have more, you know, collective group. I hate Mike D'Antoni basketball. I do. It's a wannabe triangle offense that just doesn't work. Yes, the ball movement's tremendous at times, and they can play defense when they want to, but it's going back to the inconsistency. They're inaccurate defensively. Their positioning sucks. They just don't know how to play collective, fundamental basketball. And I'm shocked. I am, because I, I think they have a lot of good players on that team, but they just can't live up to those expectations. So I, I got Thunder there. And um, I'm gonna just I'm not gonna give you my picks for the finals. They have changed since this bubble has been happening. So I'm going to settle that. We'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. And let's now talk about the Bruins. We'll talk quickly about the Bruins, because I'm not a hockey aficionado, as everybody knows. But we have to talk about the Bruins. Why? Because I live in Rhode Island. We're in New England State. Go Bruins. Bruins, okay, they came away with a victory today, 4-3. to three. I think the game would start at 11 o'clock in the morning, because uh, another game went into, I believe it was six periods last night. A lot of overtimes. Six overtimes. It took them six overtimes. That's unbelievable. Lightning won. They got the nod three to two. Um, but going back to the Bruins game today, let's be honest, they didn't look good. They didn't. I saw them sluggish at times, especially the defense of Tuka Rask. And, you know, Tuka this year, he's, his save percentage is not bad. It's a 929 save percentage. But in the postseason so far, it's a 9-1-7. That's just not good. That's not. That's not going to win you a Stanley Cup. In the 2017-2018 season, uh, postseason, he had a 9-0-3 save percentage. And then last year, he had a 9-3-4 save percentage. So he's up and down. He's just a guy that... You know that if that moment gets to him, he'll fulfill it. But he's not going to play really like consistent goaltending. And, and don't get me wrong. When he's on fire and when he's elite, my goodness, is he one of the best goaltenders in hockey. But he doesn't have, I feel like he doesn't have the defense as he had in the past. And the physicality and the puck movement, yeah, that's all great and dandy, but you look at the West Coast, you look at the Islanders, you can look at the Flyers, maybe even the Lightning, they're just fast. They move the puck fast, they get up the ice fast, their positioning on the ice is fast. There's just one word to talk about those type of teams. It's fast. There's no, it's not rocket science. You have to adjust to what the league's bringing. 
and the Bruins with Cam Neely, they just love to play hard-nosed hockey. And they might win against Hurricanes. They might. I'm not saying they will. They might. It might go six or seven. I think the Bruins are a scary team when they can play great offensively. Defense, I don't really have that serious of, of an issue. Yes, they were better in the past. They had more depth. But I, I think overall, when you look at Bruce Cassidy's team and what they put together going into this season, they've, they've done a good job. They have. Now, the, rookie, the rookies need to, to develop. They do. They need to progress. They need to play strong hockey. But, again, going back to it, they, it, they might win against Carolina. They might. But their type of style of hockey will not last. It won't. They're too slow. They're too slow. they got to really bring it defensively, fight for the loose pucks, not make any errors. I saw so many errors today. So many awful passes. Pasternak was horrific until he scored that goal. And yes, it was in the first period. I get that. But my goodness, he could not see the puck today. Krejcic is always going to be collectively sound with his, with his uh, stick. He's a good hockey player. But my, my goodness, if there's anybody that needs to step up, it's David Pasternak in this playoffs. Brad Marchand, you know what you're going to get out of him. Patrice Bergeron, same thing. You know, Tori Krug, McAvoy, Chara. Those are really the guys that you're going to count on. Charlie Coyle's pretty good. You know, you got Wagner in the mix as well. But DeBrusque, put the puck in the net. Put the puck in the net. I don't know what is going on with him, but he can't see the net. Just, just an overall mediocre game by the Bruins today. I, I think they will be better. Obviously, moving forward, I think you know Friday's matchup will be different. But I'll tell you, the wear and tear on these series, especially with the Lightning and Blue Jackets, and you know going into overtime with the Bruins and Hurricanes today. Yikes! Yikes! Hockey better be worried because I I thought the action was going to be really the you know the the big point of watching. Like the action pack, the fighting, the the quick movements with the puck, the good goaltending, great goaltending, I should say. I thought that was going to play a huge factor, huge factor in watching. But, wow, they, they just, the Bruins need to step it up in every way, shape, or form. Bruce Cassidy knows that they didn't play their best hockey today. They didn't. But they went. They won. They won. Put a one in the column. Great. Move on. You don't have to worry about going, flying anywhere. Okay? It's a neutral site. Same thing as the NBA bubble. So I, I think the Bruins are a moving target at the moment. I hope they, you know, finally fa- find their foundation, um, you know, throughout the third period and the overtime. But they need to honestly... You know, make some strong connections with the puck. 
put the pucks in the net, counter off of power plays. How many power plays did they have today? I think it was three or four, and they couldn't connect. So if I was to give word, words of wisdom to Bruce Cassidy, stop making errors with the puck, for one. Okay? And two, just live up to those power plays. They're given to you for a reason. You lose another guy, another opponent on the ice versus yourself. You beat yourself down by making errors and throwing the puck down for an icing call or off sides. Those are mental mistakes. Those can't happen. This is the playoffs. So I think the Bruins win. I do. I think they win in six or seven games. But they really need to get their head straight going into this weekend's uh, series. Or game, I should say. So let's switch over to the turf. Let's talk about football. I'll be quick. Just want to make a shout out to Tua. He's got a little documentary coming out September 6th on Fox. It's going to be one heck of a documentary. I call it Dolphins Porn. Because it's legitimately the best thing that you know we have seen. Really, too, is a really good player. And expectations-wise, and his culture, and his family, and what he's been through, it's going to be one hell of a documentary. It's going to be fun. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I think Tua's expectations are already extremely high. Trying to become one of the best quarterbacks in Dolphins history, which is not hard. Not hard at all. You got Dan Marino and Bob Greasy. That's about it. Throw Chad Pennington in there for his completion percentage. That's about it. But Tua Tungvaloa is a definitely great prospect to look at for Dolphins' future moving forward. I think you put weapons around him. Chan Gailey's offense might be perfect for him. Brian Flores really is a good coach for his mindset. He's He puts guys at ease. He puts people in their place when needed. He respects his players. He builds a culture. He wants guys that want to win, that want to learn, that want to become better. That's what Tua is. He's exactly that formula. I think the documentary is going to be extremely eye-opening for some of the, you know, the things that happen. Um, you know, I just think that the hip, that hip injury was just so costly to him. I think he had to make some very serious decisions. I think, um, you know, just his family background is extraordinary. It's, it's unique. And just the, the Hawaiian culture is a lot different. It's a great feel. It's a vibe. And so you're going to catch that from Tua along the years in Miami. So I think the Dolphins are definitely in good shape. Uh, they obviously have to get him acclimated before you start talking about playoffs and you know potential Super Bowls. But overall, I think they could make some noise in the AFC East. I think the Patriots definitely, like I said, they you know have Cam Newton. I don't know if he can stay healthy. I hope he does because I, I think he's an extraordinary talent in the pocket. He's got a strong arm. He makes the most of his 
you know, talent around him. He's got, you know, he used to have Christian McCaffrey as a running back. So, you know, I'm sure Sony Michelle and Lamar Miller, who was recently picked up, uh, can complement him pretty well. Um, offensive line for the Patriots is a concern. Um, Buffalo Bills defense is a force. The Jets are a mess. The Jets might be the worst team in the AFC East this year. Reason why Jamal Adams left is, of course, Adam Gase. Everywhere he's gone, he's wanted to trade players because he just doesn't have a good demeanor to them. And he doesn't relate. And that's what Brian Flores does well. And that's why he stands out well more than Adam Gase. So I think the Jets are in for a seriously eye-opener season where they have to think twice about moving forward with Adam Gase or not. I don't think he's made for the job. I don't think he is. I think he's perfectly a good quarterback coach or offensive coordinator. But my goodness, what in the world is going on in those locker rooms when he's taking charge? If Jamal Adams cannot get along, who, yes, he has a uh, you know, personality, just like every good player does, but you have to manage those personalities. You have to you know, just learn to ingrain and get to know them because that's the part of communication. That's part of relationship building. That's the part of building a strong dynasty or franchise. And the Jets are just a mess. And I'm not shocked. I'm not. I've seen it in Miami, what Adam Gase did to that team. He traded away some great players. He also eliminated some great players, a part of his staff, coaches. There's just a lot of missing pieces to that guy's brain. And, you know, I, I just don't know how to out say it. He's just not a good NFL coach. He's not. I, I think the Miami Dolphins will place, if I had to give my early predictions, I think they're a close second. I think they're a close second. I, I think Bills are better. Josh Allen's going to have to you know, fulfill his legendary role <laughs> as like an average, above average quarterback. He's going to have to really use his arm. He's going to have to get creative with Stefan Diggs now. So, and then you look at the Patriots, what can they do? Anytime Bill Belichick's still there, still there, you kind of have to give them the nod over Miami. I think Miami's at like a development uh, season this year where they get Tua acclimated, get him reps, have him feel comfortable behind the line, really have him, you know, utilize his talent around him. And, and you'll probably see it at the end of the year. You know, maybe Dolphins go 7-9, 8-8. Eight and eight. I think the Patriots go 9-7 with where they're at. I think the Bills go either 11-5, 10-6. But again, I, I just don't really see the Dolphins making that leap just yet. And that's respectable. I, I think their defense is really built strong. I think Kyle Van Noy adding Byron Jones. I, I think they got a good nucleus for their defense. But offensively, they really got to start 
figuring that out and start building a, a formula in the offensive line for Tua Tunga Baloa to last in the NFL. So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. I love talking about sports, as you can tell. I'm very passionate. I love watching the playoffs, whether that's strong hockey or the best basketball. And I think we've seen the best basketball. I want to see more of it moving forward. But, hell, we got almost a month away from the NFL opening up. So we will tune in again. We will get back to it, back to the grind in a couple of weeks. I'm sure Giffy will be back. He couldn't make it tonight. Hence me, riding solo, which is sometimes usual. As from me, alongside of me is nobody. It's your truly shark. Thank you all for tuning in. And we'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon, actually. I will not see you soon. I will talk to you soon. Thank you.